You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. But uh, I don't know. I guess when I was when I was a teenager through to my kind of mid twenties, I I drank a lot recreationally. Um, but you know, I, I yeah, I just kind of got that out of my system. Um, and as I got older, I just kind of realized that there was a direct association with alcoholism and toxicity in my life. And that's not to say that that spans across everybody that enjoys a beer or anything, but. I just um, found myself, um, yeah, I just kind of had a couple of epiphanies that was like, whoa, you know, there, there were some pretty poignant positions in my life that dramatically changed the outcome of opportunities that I have based on um, the influences of other people um, being drunk, essentially. Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I would just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I would love for you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there is someone in your life that you discovered metal with, I want you to reach out to them and first off, tell them that you missed them and that you can't wait to go hang out with them and listen to metal again, but you should also let them know that the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast exists. You can tell them that there are over 300 episodes where I sit down with some of the world's best metal musicians, and we have an in-depth conversation. If you would encourage one of your friends to become a brand new Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly, truly appreciate. Now, today on the podcast, I'm with David Stepanovich and Savatre Billis. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 344. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today I'm with David Stepanovichus of Atrebilis. David, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Matt. How are you doing, man? Very good. Very good. It's very nice to uh, hang out with you. Uh, Stoked to, to have this conversation. Let's jump right into the thick of it. I like to start off shittily so that we can go into nicer territory afterwards. Let's start with the question that everyone has to ask at this point. Um, how did you cope with the glorious years, plural, of 2020, 2021, and hopefully um, not most of 2022? How have you been coping uh, during this wonderful time to be alive? Well, I mean, I just kind of had to submit to it, really. There wasn't, there wasn't a great deal um, I could change about it. Uh, so, yeah, just tried to stay positive. Um, thankfully, um, it didn't affect my work or anything, so I was still very active with all that and felt, felt like I had a good support network around me. The band has always been really busy. This band has been a bit of a COVID band in the way that things ended up being released. I mean, our first EP was a COVID release and then um, our debut full length was also a COVID release. So it, it's it's not like we um, had too much to miss going into COVID, you know? Um, so it was all positive actually on, on this end of things in a strange way. So, yeah. That is interesting. That is very different. I think you might be the first band that I, that this is the situation where the band was born. No, maybe storm ruler as well, uh, where the band is born and releases everything throughout the pandemic. That's interesting. Well, I mean, we were, we had formed before COVID, but we didn't release until the thick of COVID yeah. and COVID actually delayed the, our, um, our, our first release. So we did manage to play one show just to, I guess it was weeks before COVID hit. 
and um, we had grandiose plans and shows that were ready to be announced. And then, and then, you know, as we all know, the world kind of took a took a stranger turn. So everything was taken away from us. But we we <laughs> we had time to do other things. Uh, luckily, I was very lucky to have the podcast where I got to connect with a lot of people. And uh, you know, Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. Uh, so what what are you sipping on? I, it's very early for you uh, <laughs> as we have this conversation. So what are you going to be drinking throughout this conversation? So it is. What is it? It's just just past ten in the morning. So I just I feel like an absolute animal throwing a beer down this early some some might i'm i'm not that type so i'm uh i'm sipping on a on a coffee um it's just uh, an americano from a brand new spot that's just opened up around the corner from me so i'm trying to support new businesses um opening up especially during the times that we're in it's even more important yeah. that's something that really a lot, a lot of people did was support yeah. local throughout the uh, pandemic and the Good for you to keep doing that and encouraging your neighborhood. Yeah, it's a, it's a great little spot that I live in. I mean, we've, we've already got a million cafes around, but uh, yeah, you can never, never have too much coffee, right? So, I love coffee. Yeah, co- co- coffee for me. What are you drinking? I'm going to be drinking something special, uh, something that I created, something that took me six months oh, wow. to hold in my wow. hand. Uh, it's uh, a brand new Vox and Hops collab that came out uh, two weeks ago. It's called uh, C'est Juste la Bière, which means uh, in English, it's just beer. Um, so back in October, I went to Brasserie Générale, which is who this beer is made with, and uh, pitched them an idea that there's too much drama in the craft beer industry, the craft beer scene, whether it's uh, brewery to brewery, from beer media people to beer media people to craft beer enthusiasts to other craft beer enthusiasts against brewers. It's very dramatic and there's a lot of toxicity. So I wanted to create a beer where, you know, it's just beer. Beer was meant to be enjoyed and not a dramatic thing. Coming from the music scene, it really brought me back to flashbacks of like my beginning times playing in Montreal where everyone is frenemies. Uh, we're all friends, but we all sort of bitch at each other behind our back. High school mentality. So uh, I wanted to challenge that. And uh, BG Max, the brewer, had one of the owners pitched the idea of what, why don't we do a four pack? And then I was like, why don't we bring in three of my craft beer media friends from Quebec into the project. So we each had our own beer. A uh, shout out to Craig uh, from BAOS podcast, Noah from Beerism and Hoppy Bitch, Gabrielle. She's amazing. Uh, all three of them, excellent content creators on uh, the internet and very good for the craft beer industry here in Quebec. So I loved West Coast IPAs. It's really what made me fall in love with craft beer, uh, Sierra Nevada, and then that's really where I discovered like hops. And uh, so we all picked beer styles that we first fell in love with that aren't really popular anymore. And uh, I made a they made me a very sick uh, double West Coast IPA. So I'm stoked about that. It's a, a beer with my face on it, which is just stupid. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Congratulations, Matt. It's uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's an awesome it's it's an awesome motivation that you've got behind the the branding of the beer, so it must feel really good. I'm stoked, and it went super well, and I'm pretty sure it's almost sold out everywhere. So I'm very happy to have it. It's actually my last one. I'm sharing it with you, and all of you. I'm going to crack this, which I just did. I'm going to pour it out, and while I pour it out, I would love to hear about your very first beer. Do you remember the first beer that you drank? Oh, I think I think the first beer I had. Um, 
I would have been maybe well, the first beer that I remember. I mean, there was photos of me sipping on beers from when I was a baby with uh, with my dad. But the first time I actually remember one was uh, it was at the front steps of an old place I used to live at um, in this beach town called Elwood uh, with my dad, Tony. Um, it was a local beer, uh, which was abbreviated to a VB, which is the Victoria Bitter. Victoria being the state of Australia that it was it was from. Uh, I thought it was horrible. Um, but, you know, the, the culture in Australia is you're not a man if you don't drink kind of thing. So even at a very young age, it was, um, yeah, it was just kind of part of, of the culture, I guess. Um, I started to appreciate beer a lot more um, just because of the climate of Australia. So, you know, I mean, it's fucking hot <laughs> all the time. And there is no doubt that um, there is nothing like a, like a refreshment um, at the end of a end of a day, so that's that's kind of where I guess I I started remembering having um, well that's where I remember having my first beer, but enjoying enjoying beer didn't come until a little later on. So cheers to Tony, um, <laughs> <laughs> and cheers to you. absolutely. It's killer. He's got the the bitter bite, tropical like juiciness to it, but super piney, floral. Really killer. It's just beer. So it's just WBA. Love it. It's de- it's definitely not a VB. VB tastes like uh, <laughs> aluminum in a can. So. <laughs> uh, where has your drinking drinking evolved to? Um, as we were setting this up, I, I sort of got h- hints that you you don't drink. So do do you still drink, or are you uh, not into uh, drinking? Very, anyway? very occasionally. Um, you know, I might I might uh, meet up with a friend and and have a beer. You know, if we're out at lunch or or having a chat, a, you know, band meeting, something like that. But uh, I don't know. I guess when I was when I was a teenager through to my kind of mid twenties, I I drank a lot recreationally. Um, but you know, I, I yeah, I just kind of got that out of my system. Um, and as I got older, I just kind of realized that there was a direct association with alcoholism and toxicity in my life. And that's not to say that that spans across everybody that enjoys a beer or anything, but I just um, found myself, um, yeah, I just kind of had a couple of epiphanies that was like, whoa, you know, there, there were some pretty poignant positions in my life that dramatically changed the outcome of opportunities that I have based on um, the influences of other people. Um, being drunk essentially. So I don't have a problem with alcohol. I have a problem with drunk people. So I kind of don't, um, I don't, I shouldn't say I have a problem with drunk people, but I just prefer to, you know, just not, not be drunk. You know, I'll, I'll have a beer, but I won't, you know, try not to get drunk. So hmm. yeah. I, um, is, it, is it about control at some point? You, you don't feel like you're no longer in control of, of your decisions or um, I just, uh, I think it's a couple of things. I mean, it's, it is alcohol is a depressant. Um, and I guess, you know, with the way that my DNA is, I just, um, I just, I find myself being less mindful in conversations and things like that. It might just be a shaving, but I'd like to think that I'm pretty present mentally most of the time. So, um, the influence of alcohol, just, it kind of, it takes that, um, takes that sharpness off my connection with people um, a little. So, yeah, I just prefer to just be kind of more with it most of the time. Um, 
And, you know, there's other compounds that I'll have recreationally and I find a totally different influence on me, but, but alcohol is, um, yeah, it's just, just something for me. It's just, you know, been there, done that. Kind of. <laughs> What's well, good. You got through that before. Yeah. Everything that's happening now with the band and you know that at this point in your life, uh, you don't need this to move forward, to move forward. And it was actually holding you back. So it's good that you got through and made all these decisions and discoveries and had the epiphany, um, before being in the band and having Atre Billis doing so well, it's like something in your past and it's not an obstacle that you're going to come up against. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, you know, you're kind of like a product of your environment and none of the, none of the Atrabilis guys really drink too much. Sometimes on tour, I don't like my bandmates and they don't like me maybe because we tend to become different people when we have too much. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's valid too. Right. Especially, I mean, touring's tough too, because you're in everybody's personal space all the time. Hell yes. And And reliant upon them. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, I, I mean even at the best of times i mean just being cooped up in these small confined spaces just exposed to everybody around the clock um i mean that's tough enough as it is sober <laughs> so it's it, it can be challenging but you know i also understand you know you got to burn off steam and you know enjoy the moment and relax a little bit and decompress and you know alcohol is can be a positive way of doing that as well. So we, yeah, we're, we're, we are very mindful on tour, uh, Cryptopsy. We never indulge before a show because the, for, the performance is key. It's why we're there. But afterwards, we, we, there's some times when, you know, there's friends in town and absolutely things, things get out of hand. And, but it's, it's always, <laughs> yeah. it's always a, a laugh most of the time. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Let's talk about the soundtrack of your youth when you're growing up in your parents or guardian's house. What music was playing when you were not in control of the radio? What music did your parents or guardian listen to? <laughs> uh, okay, so my my mother wasn't uh, she didn't listen to a heap of music. Um, but she did she did bust out a lot of the female powerhouses. So, you know, the Shania Twain, Celine yes. Dion, Enya, that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, Canadian Pride, which is, first two. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's weird. I, I actually found myself listening to Enya not too long ago and actually thought that shit was, was really fucking cool. So, right. Especially if you're indulging in that recreational stuff you're talking about. Yeah, before. yeah absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, I guess my, the, the thing that made me difficult to really enjoy that stuff when it was on in my, my mom's house was, She'd she'd hum, and I I kind of suffer from this as well. She she'd hum along, but um, she uh, I don't know. There's just there's she's just so out of pitch with with <laughs> with with everything that she's doing that it would just kind of just oh my gosh, it was like I love your mom if you're listening. But, uh, yeah, please don't. Hello, hello. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Tony, on the other hand, he, he yeah he's he's an interesting guy. He's got a really open mind. There wasn't a heap of music but he did get quite passionate about a couple of things so i do remember long drives with him there used to be a cassette deck in his car and in the car there was um there were only a few cassettes actually uh one of them was acdc's dirty deeds done dirt cheap and the other was queen's greatest hits and i prefer i i'd listen to both but usually it was acdc that uh yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I know every little wart of that record now because of how, how often that was on. But, um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a particularly musical household. It wasn't until I was a young teenager where I was at school that I started getting some musical influence from, from other kids and their older brothers and, 
you know, just, um, there was no internet back then people. It was, it was really, you had to get handed a, t- a cassette, which was probably high speed dubbed. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I mean, I do, I was kind of like at the precipice of the internet with like file sharing, but I mean, this was dial-up internet, right? So it was like if you wanted to download one MP3 and somebody... 37 can, hours, yeah. That's right, yeah. And if somebody had to make a phone call, you'd have to you'd have to turn the internet off, plug the phone in, and you'd be like, oh, I've only got four hours left to download this two-minute song that's been so compressed. It sounds like somebody bubbling into a sock. And then you open but, it and it's not that song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with all the viruses on your computer and then you got to explain to everybody what's going on. I swear it's not porn. I swear. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But, uh, but I did that, I guess that, that freedom um, of, of being able to use the internet to discover bands and stuff real, it was a, a huge um, gateway for me to, to, finding and localizing particular styles of music that I love. So that, that was actually my, um, my, my doorway and my foray into extreme music at a pretty young age, I'd say by 14 or something. I was, you know, I had my finger on the pulse with, with a lot of the bands I still listen to now. So mm. something about that time period eh? happens, you know, and, and, the, the love that we still have for those records. Oh yeah. I mean, Luca, the drummer from Atrabilis and I, we, um, we call like our favorite period of, of death metal, you know, like the early two thousands and stuff like the dial up death metal era. <laughs> so the dial up era. <laughs> Everything metal. you discovered that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, how did your parents react to you discovering more extreme music? Was it their cup of tea or was it too much? And if there was too much, what was the band that was just pushed, you know, made the water uh, overflow the glass uh, from the glass there? My, my perfect, perfect sentence. I made perfect sense there. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think, I think with the music they, they were, they were fine with it. Um, they were, Tony was, was particularly supportive, um, you know, cause I started playing with, with other guys at school and stuff around that time too. So it was, it was like a creative venture for me as well as just listening to music. And that was obviously a very positive thing. So they got behind that. It was, it was more of the, the merchandise that they were a little, <laughs> a little <laughs> I, less I have to get with. the cradle of Phil's shirt, mom. You don't understand. <laughs> I need it. <laughs> plus, I'm, plus you're Australian, so it's not that bad. Yeah. It's not even a bad word for you. Guys. No, it's not. It's not. It's not. Jesus is a mate, right? That's hilarious. <laughs> was there sure? Do you, honestly? Was there like a piece of merchandise in general that it, that comes to mind that you really wanted, but it was too much for them? Um. So there was there was the Tomb of the Mutilated shirt, um, with the classic cover. That you know, I mean, mom being a mom is just kind of like. Jesus fucking Christ! Like, what? What's you wrong? You can't with wear it to church. You can't. Uh, yeah. Um, and there was at when I was a when I was a little older. Um, I was still living at home. I did. I did get a guttural secrete shirt of the Reek of Pubescent Despoilment album, and that that is a really grisly, you know, cover. Um, with that printed on the front of the shirt, it, it wasn't really until I put that in the wash, and Mum kind of pulled it out and was like. I don't like this. And I kind of looked at it and I was a little disappointed with myself for really not <laughs> taking into consideration what it was that I was wearing. So, yeah. uh, How about your first shows going to see a music experience? Do you remember the first show that you went to go see? Yeah, vividly. Um, I, you know, I mean, at the same time that I was discovering music as a, as a young 
young one, um, you know, uh, I was I was talking to a lot of like the metal community online, local friends and stuff. I didn't necessarily go to school with them, but I knew them through, you know, they were boyfriends of my friends or something like that. And there was a <laughs> there, there was a guy um, who's actually coincidentally now also moved from Melbourne to Canada, which which is kind of cool to think about. But he he was a great source of music, and he he invited me out to a local show. Um, I'd never been to a show. It was at a rehearsal space that was kind of transformed into a uh, like a public stage and audience area. It was called Midian Studios, and it was this like derelict warehouse um, in the middle of the the inner city sprawl of Melbourne. And uh, it was very strange to me because you know up until that point, I'd expected music to be you know full light show and you know full production. And I kind of got into this warehouse, and there was I th- there was legitimately traffic lights from the street that had been suspended up um, on one side of the stage to, you know, um, and they somehow had power drawn into that. Um, and the power that was servicing the bands was actually just drawn from like an extension cord from one of the rehearsal spaces downstairs. And one of the kids just like tripped on the tape that was holding it down and cut power out to one of the bands. But yeah, the bands were, um, they were all local bands. It was a band called um, Procedure 286 which was like a kind of like a punk hardcore band. There was this, I guess, like this kind of like rock death grind band with still one of the most amazing band names I've ever heard of called uh, Bowel Mouth. They, they were really good. Um, and then there was there was this other band called Sith. Uh, and I believe they had members from this like very legendary local band called The Wolves and they didn't play much after that. Um, and then I think two weeks later, Tony actually bought me tickets to go see Corrosion of Conformity, Pantera. Um, and that was like my first big, big show. So it all, it all kind of happened within like a very small, small time. But I, I think my ears were still ringing from the first show I ever went to when I went to Pantera. It was, yeah, it was very close, but it was very fun and very dynamic to see local bands and then international bands. And yeah, it was just vastly different with how many people were another show right absolutely absolutely do you remember your first time on stage and was it at the warehouse uh no it was (laughs) i wish it was i fucking really i i would love to have been able to go back and play midian um it was kind of like a very legendary kind of like diy venue in a way and it was always a great atmosphere but my first shows um was actually at this like uh I, i believe it was like this community funded music program for, for youths. And they had this, this small little venue called literally called the venue. And the first Friday of every month, they would host this event called jam night. And you didn't get paid. Like everybody just paid like the $2 50 or whatever it was for these kids to get in. Um, but if you had like a band that you were jamming with or something, you would literally just like go up and just like write the band name down on this board and all these other bands and all their other friends would be there. And it was like a big community of, of bands playing. And so I think each band had like 20, 25 minutes or something to play. So that was, I, I played one or two of those, um, just cutting my teeth with just horrible songs with, you know, a horrible band that I played in back then. But I do remember the nerves. I do remember being really quite nervous. And that was that was the one thing that I, I, I remembered most. And I, I think I was... 
was about 15 at, at those two shows. Band didn't last long, um, and it wasn't long until I joined another band and we started playing actual shows, um, which was which was really fun. So. How did the nerves evolve? Is it something that stayed with you? No, no. I think it was just those couple of shows. Once, once I started forming bands or being in bands um, that I was really proud of, um, I was just excited to kind of get up there. And I guess I've always somehow always managed to play with like just the most amazing musicians. And so I've always felt very comfortable knowing that even if I sound like shit, the band is a unit, it's going to sound amazing. <laughs> and so I've always felt very strapped in and very like, yeah, it's cool. What's the worst that can happen? Like I sound terrible. Wow. Whatever. You know, the band will still sound awesome. So because of that, I've always felt very relaxed. Um, yeah. And I think that's just testament to how talented my friends are. Mm-hmm. So there are some horrible times on stage though. Do, do you remember the time that you've messed up the most? Um, no, but I, I, I don't like technical issues, you know, like having like a really, really, really bad, um, like noise or like a, a, an amp blowing out. I've, I've never broken a string. Thank Thank God, but yeah, when, just, when it just does, shows it. Just, yeah, yeah, and it's it's, it's strange <laughs> those, those shows where there's technical difficulties. Like it's never just one thing; it's always like three or four things. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's things that are out of your control, which is the most yeah. annoying thing. So th- th- those shows aren't fun, um, but yeah, what do you do, right? Like, <laughs> you hide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you hide behind the scrims next to your amp, and you yeah. hope yeah. that you know, and, and then flows just stands sits there with the drum. <laughs> the worst thing that ever drunk. happened to us there was well, I've messed up a few times there, but <laughs> a technical thing: flows drum stool broke. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Like, how, how did it break? Uh, like a leg cable? The way it connects to the, the stand part just snapped. Right. <laughs> it was a rental kit. We were on tour in Europe. We were playing Copenhagen. Anyone was there and saw that show. We were playing Two Pound Torch, and halfway through it, his story just fell off his stool. <laughs> <laughs> and then we were, like, looking at each other, like, we're not going to start the song again, right? It's like, now it's over. Two Pound Torch is done for today. We're just going to keep going we can't start in the middle because we have samples running right so <laughs> ridiculous um <laughs> oh, i can only imagine the jokes after, after the show like what were you doing eating that extra burger before the show hey what's up fox and hops heads i just want to take a little moment about cryptopsy's upcoming tours that's right i'm talking about the scream of perseverance tour and our headliner dates that coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer, and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. 
Apex Sapien uh, came out October 20th uh, via 20 bucks spin. Uh, first full length um, pandemic release. Uh, two pandemic releases, an EP, and then this full length. Uh, you got to only play one show before. Uh, you do have a very cool co- show coming up uh, at the Rickshaw, which is very sick. Uh, talk to me about creating this album. Uh, what went into it? Uh, I can only imagine. Like Cryptopsy's been writing the same album the whole pandemic, and here you guys are slapping out two releases throughout a pandemic. So talk to me about the hustle and everything that went into making this. Uh, okay, so um, it was interesting because the the EP before Apex APN, Apex APN, um, which is called Divinity Hility, was that was all written and that was all done. We were shopping for labels before the pandemic. Um, so it was, it was originally scheduled for March um, of 2020 and was then delayed to the October of the same year. So <clears throat> with that in mind, once, once we started releasing music, we were, we were still very inspired um, and we still felt like we were discovering our sound in a lot of ways. And so we didn't stop playing, um, I guess because of COVID, um, we were more productive because we didn't actually have the distractions of going out on tour in, in a strange way. No, no I, I mean, completely understand what you're saying yeah. because you have to get ready to go on tour. Yeah. That yeah, takes time. That's right. There's only so many and, hours in a day that you can dedicate to a band. So, yeah. And, um, after, after Divinity Hility came out, we were just so excited just to kind of hear how the band's sound was progressing that we just, we didn't really want to stop playing. So, I mean, usually our our schedule is we, we usually rehearse two to three times a week and like 85% of that time is, if not 90% of that time is just writing and just rehearsing new stuff because we don't have to prepare for shows usually. So now we're actually in this weird spot where we're rehearsing for songs that we hadn't played since before we recorded Apex Apian. Yeah, it was, it was good. Um, Studios were still open locally, but we couldn't, we, we were somewhat restricted. We, we were originally hoping to fly out of Vancouver to record at another studio, but due to the restrictions being as, as, heavy as they were we decided to record here at a local studio called rain city recorders and we're really comfortable there at the studio and the engineers that work there are really fantastic and and really cool um and then we we outsourced to christian um for mixing and mastering i i think you've heard of that guy i have that's actually the next question on my paper (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so it was it was good um because of the vinyl delays there was a there was a hard deadline like we we certainly had like a submission date for 20 bucks spin that it caused some stress because the original round of mixing just didn't didn't pan out the way that we had originally anticipated so this album was actually two people had mixed the record before we we reached out to christian and we were like hey buddy this we we need we need you to be our knight in shining armor here because it's just it's just not where we thought the record would sound sonically and um he had a lot on but he but he was he was able to squeeze us in which we are eternally grateful for and working with christian was just so easy let me build up that question there um obviously 
talking to a Christian. Christian is a uh, Cryptopsy's guitarist, Christian Donaldson, killer, killer producer. Uh, he's been doing it for, that's actually how I met him because he was producing, helping, he was actually helping out JF Dashnet from Cataclysm, editing the drums for my old project. Uh, that's how I met Christian Donaldson. Uh, so you had two people mix the record before you end up contacting Donaldson. I love asking people why. Why did you choose Donaldson? Why wasn't he the first option? Why did you go to two people before him? And then what was your anticipation when working with him? What bands had you heard that you enjoyed from him? Uh, give a little pitch of uh, why people should go to Christian Donaldson. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was holistic. I mean, there were, there were uh, quite a few things um, that just felt right working with, with Christian. Um, I mean, it's 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 always hard to know. Um, it's, I mean, it's hard to remove yourself from a creative project, especially, you know, when you're so involved with it, you, it, you, you can't anticipate how somebody else perceives the sound of a band. And so you can have faith that somebody's going to understand it, but sometimes when things just don't work, it's not, it's not um, indicative of them not being amazing at their craft. It just isn't a dynamic that, you were kind of i don't want to say expecting but um were aiming for if, yeah and that I, I really don't mean to paint that in a negative way but um yeah sonically we just we wanted a different envelope and um it just maybe it was a combination of us not being able to communicate things in the same way um that somebody else understood things um, you know the vernacular of audio is it's so subjective um, and so when we reached out to Christian, I mean, we already knew his body of work, but he was also Canadian and it, you know, I mean, we're such fans of Canadian extreme music and, you know, I mean, we've been labeled a Canadian band, even though, you know, Luca, the drummer is from Serbia, I myself is from Australia. The other guys are from Canada. It, it's, it very much feels more like an international band that just happened to live in Canada. But, you know, we, we, we wanted to roll with that and, you know, just kind of promote the Canadian brand of, of metal as well. And, I mean, there was absolutely no doubt that Christian was going to nail it. It was just a matter of whether or not he could, he could fit in. Um, and, and he did. Uh, and there were very, there are very few notes actually that bounced back from us, um, pertaining to his first draft of, of the mix. Um, but yeah, I'm sure you've heard from, from everybody else that works with him too. He doesn't just mix one song. He'll mix like a whole album and send the whole album back, which is actually really nice because when an album has slow parts and fast parts and every song's kind of got like a different voice sometimes a mix of just one song won't actually translate to another so that 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 was really nice of christian and he was just he was just super positive and fast and he's just he's just he's just a total pro and he's just he's just a really good dude and um yeah i mean he's he's where it's at so it was it was an absolute joy to work with him yeah, that makes me very happy to hear that, and I agree a hundred percent. He's, uh, I think he need, deserves more attention. Obviously, I feel like with the more releases he's been doing recently, he's gaining more attention. But I, I still think that he's he deserves to be more hyped than than where he is. You know, but the, what he did with Shadow of Intent and Jess said, he's just killing it. 
Mm, that's right. I mean, it's it's strange though because I mean, death metal. You've kind of got people on the fence about like what type of production they want, and Christian's very much lumped in with like the the ultra modern sound. And you know, you do have those kind of like old guard outlooks that are you know thinking like, oh, you know, this it doesn't sound like it was recorded through a potato. I'm not going to listen to it. Um, <laughs> there is a whole genre of the the old the resurgence yeah. of old school. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Meg, at Stomp Records. Um, <laughs> I love it; it's cool, and I, and I if it brings new kids into death metal, I, I'm super for it. But Chris, Chris always he's less clean than he used to be back when yeah. he used wow, to wow. work in uh, out of his the garage. It was called uh, Studio Le Garage. He's he's like working on trying to be a little bit dirtier. I think depending on the project. Yeah, yeah. he's killing. He's it. great for us. I mean, we. we <sighs> The thing about the mix that we love um, with everything that he does actually is you can actually hear like every, like the intricacies of every single instrument, which if you're listening to death metal, that's, I don't want to say technical because we're not trying to be technical, but if you're, if you're listening to music that's, that, that has a, a, a lot of, a lot of input from a lot of people in the band, um, it, it's, it's, I, I can certainly say that everybody in our band felt very proud to be audible on on our record. Like all all of that, you put a lot of work into each part, and you, it gets buried in the mix. Exactly, exactly. And so it it very much felt like everybody in the band felt very proud that it's like oh, every little every little detail that that was important to me has translated. So it was, yeah, big, big ups to Christian. Thanks for that, buddy. Everybody's really happy with that. That makes me really, really happy. And you know, he's, you know, doing beyond creation, doing first fragment, the perfect example of having to have everyone have their space because everyone's doing their own thing in that <laughs> touring. You, you haven't really toured the records cause you couldn't. Uh, but if you could, if you could organize, a perfect tour for a Trey Billis uh, to put you in front of the perfect crowd where you guys are opening and there's two more bands after you. What two bands would be the perfect bands so that when fans leave that night, they are an automatic new fan? Mm. Well, I don't know. It's an interesting one. I mean, I could be, I could be picking bands that we all just love as fans just to inspire us every night and kind of hone other areas of our sound. Um, but I guess from a fan base perspective, I'd, pr- I'd probably want to. I'd probably want to be on tour with bands that I'd want to watch every night. But we're also somewhat similar. Like there was a little bit of crossover with our sound and their sound. So I look. Th- this is totally a, a me answer, not a band answer. But I would say uh, I'd love to. I'd love to tour with a band like Defeated Sanity. Um, and maybe wormed. Hell yes, yes. I've been trying to get them with cryptopsy for years now. Oh, oh man, that that would be insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cryptopsy and every tour option that be... comes up there. I'm like, let's get wormed. Oh, what a fucking band! Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> yeah, and like it would be so complimentary to cryptopsy too. Mm-hmm. I love I mean, it. Both those they're so cool. Are, yeah. I love it. I love it. I love uh, collabs too. I made one with my face on it um <laughs> i won't ask you to make a beer because it's not your thing but uh if you could create something a a a Trebilis collab what would it be what would you call it uh what would be something that would be perfect for you to have your face on oh i don't know that's a really interesting question um like a 
like a material thing or like a product? Yeah, it could or? be like a merch item. It could be, you know, I asked this question to uh, <laughs> someone <laughs> and recently and he, he, he said uh, a helicopter. We need a we need a vitriol helicopter. <laughs> was Adam's, <laughs> Adam's response the other day? Um, I don't know. I like I, I I'd probably still want to use the opportunity to make some some kind of art if I could. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, all of our albums are conceptual, so I think it'd be really nice to really tune into that. Maybe. Um, I don't know, maybe work with a filmmaker or something to you, you are to really a tell classic a, movie, art movie t-shirt right now. So the Holy Mountain. A, yeah, it is. Yeah. So I think it'd be really interesting to visualize a lot of our lyrical narratives um, with, with music in the background. So yeah, I'd, I'd say a short film personally. Amazing. Yeah, it would, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. I think, I think that would be, really something else but yeah i like it any young filmmakers that are listening that want to make a movie hit me up i'll introduce you <laughs> um one last question i typically ask uh, about your hangover cure but that's not going to apply here uh, i would like to hear what the silver lining of the pandemic has been for you uh a lot of mental growth i'd say just kind of being forced to just spend more time with myself um, and just kind of really deal with the recesses of of just what's going on upstairs. I think it's, it's, it's been really nice to be in this, you know, quasi state of stasis for that. So, um, you know, I also live in what has got to be one of the most beautiful parts of the world. So, um, you know, just kind of having all this nature and stuff outside as, you know, it's it's been really nice to just kind of absorb all of that. Um, so, yeah, I guess it, it made me appreciate the little things a lot more um, than I had without the noise of events and media and, and everything else just kind of intoxicating me. So, yeah, I would say just, just mindfulness really and just, um, yeah, just trying to just accept every day for for what it is and enjoy enjoy that little gift that we got you know it's a very mature way of attacking the two years we were given <laughs> yeah, as wow. opposed to just destroying your health with delicious things with your face on it but <laughs> yeah i mean you know I've, I've definitely had down days as well but um yeah it's transient right i'm good for you um this was amazing. And David, thank you so, so much for taking the time, hanging out with me, talking about life, talking about music, talking a little bit about craft beer. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Everyone, go check out Apex Sapien, uh, the brand new Atre Billis record that came out back in October. It's a killer, killer record. Uh, David, this was amazing. Thank you so, so much. I truly, truly appreciate you taking the time. Cheers. Thanks, man. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. This was an awesome conversation. Uh, so interesting to dig into uh, his mindset about how stepping away from alcohol only made his life better. 
And to have that realization before all the pressures of running a band can bring was just so good for him. I, I just thought it was so interesting. It's something that I've thought about a few times since we finished this conversation. Uh, massive, massive shout out to David. Thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me. I cannot wait to hang out in person soon. If you enjoy this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Middle Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive two emails a month that will contain all of the details of everything that's been happening in the world of the Vox and Hops Middle Podcast. You'll get to see which episodes I dropped recently, which episodes I have coming up. You'll get to see which albums the Vox and Hops album review crew have reviewed recently. You'll get to see which albums Jerry Monk, the metal architect, himself has added to the brutal awakenings playlist and you will get the people that will hear about any of the projects that i have in the works first before i announce them to the public there's just so much going on in the world of the vox and hospital podcast i hate for you to miss a single thing so sign up to the mailing list the vox and hospital podcast is brought to you by sound telemedia and evergreen podcasts i hope you have a great weekend i will be back next week with two episodes yet again one on tuesday and another on friday but until then remember to enjoy life metal and craft beer cheers fox and hops heads hi this is chad nicefield and this is justin press we're the host of making waves the ship rock podcast a part of the sound talent media podcast network we're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment every week we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard.